You go ahead and turn in your Bible to Psalm 122. That's where we're going to be at this morning. That's not entirely true. We're also going to be in uh, Psalm 95, Psalm 93, Psalm 131, Psalm 139, and Psalm 145. So we're going to do some psalms this morning, and we're going to talk about really one of my favorite subjects, uh, the subject of worship and uh, what worship is, and not really just what worship is and all the things that encompass what worship can be, because we can worship... uh, Driving in our car down 400 when people are cutting us off, we can give God all the honor and the glory and the praise, right? Instead of what we usually do and, and uh, say nice things about the other drivers. We can worship when we're on our knees in prayer, in our private prayer closet. We can, we can worship uh, you know, singing while we're cutting the grass. We can, we can worship just you know, as we just sit still and be quiet. Uh, we, can, we can go out and uh, see an amazing nature site. Uh, can you imagine standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon and looking down and seeing uh, the awesome manifestation of God's creative power? Or look at Mount Everest and we can honor God and give him glory for that. Uh, worship, the word just means to give worth to and worship God. So we're going to talk about worship this morning. And uh, let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you so much. God, we thank you so much for being who you are, for all that you do, for the love that you've extended to us so graciously, not giving us what we deserve, and in your mercy holding back your wrath and pouring out your abundant, as we were talking this morning before the service, your abundant agape love upon us, your precious creation. You call us your treasure. God, we're so glad that we could gather together this morning as a family and we can open up your word and, and, and hear what you have to say. And God, we just ask that you keep us focused on a singular task this morning, and that's to honor and glorify you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, I was told I had an hour and a half. I don't exactly know what that means, but uh, actually I was told we're going to eat after the service, so hurry up. That's what I was really told. Uh, we're going to go and we're going to talk about worship in, in, in a little bit of a different sense. I mean, I, you can go a lot of different directions when we talk about worship. Uh, and, and our worship this morning was wonderful. I mean, the, the team got up and led us in, in some great songs. It's your breath in our lungs and we pour out our praise, right? So I mean, worship can be all kinds of things, but I really kind of want to go down below what we traditionally recognize as worship and talk about the things that undergird it. Because we can come and we can sing songs and it not be worship right? It can just be a song service. When Jesus was quoting Isaiah when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that was our Lord himself that said that. So we need to be very careful uh, that our worship is not just 
an exercise that we do or uh, that it's not a checklist that we come in and, okay, we've, we, we've, we've done the announcements, we've done this, we've sang this song, we've got two more songs and he's going to preach and then we're going to have three more songs and then we're going to get together, we're going to eat. And, and sometimes we come to God with that mindset of we're just going to, we're going to check off our duties uh, before him so that he's happy, right? So that he's happy with us. But worship is not about necessarily him being happy with us, is it? about us being happy with him, right? So I'm going to give you a little bit of a different perspective this morning. I'm going to talk about worship. We're going to use the letters. Uh, I like alliteration, you know, where you use the same thing over and over and over again. Just get, what that does, it kind of gives you a hook that you can hang something on and, and kind of hold on to it or handle so you can, you, can, you can hold it and you can give it to somebody else. You can say, hey, we talked about worship. He talked about W-O-R-S-H-I-P. Uh, so that's going to be your notes this morning. So you can write W at the top of the page. You're not writing. Write W at the top of your page in, in your bulletin. You got a pen? Who didn't have a pen? Somebody pass out some pens. No, I'm kidding. We're going to talk about worship, W-O-R-S-H-I-P. We're going to talk about worship from the perspective of what is authentic worship. And the first one is W, willing participant. Willing participant. What I mean by that is, is authentic worship can't be forced you can't make somebody worship, can you? I mean, think about the, the three Hebrew children in the, in, the, in the fiery pit, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or as when I was a kid, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat, because I couldn't say the other one. But they were in there, and they said, listen, you're going to worship. You're going to bow down, and you're going to worship this big statue that we set up, or else we're going to throw you in the fire. And what'd they say? Go ahead. We're not going to bow down. We're going to worship our Lord God only. You want to throw us in the fire? Go ahead and throw us in the fire. Even if you throw us in the fire, we're still not going to bow down and worship. Our God's going to come rescue us. But you know what? Even if he doesn't come rescue us, we're still not going to. You can't make somebody worship. And you've seen some, some people in a worship service sometimes where, you know, everybody else around is singing and celebrating and honoring God, and they're like this. You can't make me. I'm not going to do it. Old church of mine, uh, while I was leading worship, there was one fellow who would always stand like that in the service. And it was my job to, to kind of get him from here to at least here. <laughs> I felt like I did a good job if I did that on a Sunday morning. But some people just don't want to worship. Well, you can't have authentic worship unless you're a willing participant. Look over in Psalm 122. And we're going we're gonna to look at, this is actually, it's a song of ascent, a song of ascent, say that real fast. A song of ascent, there's actually 15 of these beginning in Psalm 120 all the way through Psalm 134. And these were, were songs, four of them are accredited to David by inscription. Uh, but they were meant to be songs that were sung on the way to the house of the Lord. On the way to the house of the Lord. So here's what David said. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together where tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace within your walls. 
prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will say now, peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. What's the attitude of David there? He's excited, isn't he? Man, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Have you ever got up on a Sunday morning and went, oh, I don't want to go again. It's raining. The kids are driving me crazy. Nobody here has ever felt like that, I hope, right? Let's all be honest and put our hand up. Every one of us, we've all felt like that at some point in our life. I don't want to do it. David had a heart and a passion and a hunger to be in the presence of God, to be in the house of the Lord. In fact, if we go back into, into Samuel and, and, and we, we learn a little bit, bit about when they were bringing uh, the ark into, into Jerusalem, they were going to... Uh, David actually had plans and prepared and, and, and did some architectural work and gathered all these gold items and, and, and all the things necessary because David wanted to build a temple for God in Jerusalem. Now, of course, David didn't build the temple. His son came along and built the temple uh, because the prophet came along and told David, said, David, you know, God said, hold off. You can't build the temple because you have too much blood on your hands. Uh, so later on, David comes and, and, and they have this big ceremony and they bring all the people in and they have this, uh, where they bring the offerings and, and they, they had a big show of, of, of David basically handing this task off to his son to have the temple built in Jerusalem. But David was hungry to have a temple of God in Jerusalem. Now they had a tabernacle where they worshiped, but he was hungry. I mean, look what he says. I was glad when they said unto me, it says, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. I wonder, as he stood many times in Jerusalem, uh, it being known as the city of David, uh, I wonder how many times he stood there uh, just in a, in a desire as he looked up at maybe the Temple Mount or as he looked over and, 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 and began to, to formulate his plans for seeing the Temple of God and for the ark coming and finding its final resting place. Now, he didn't get to see it finished built. Uh, I think he died around 970 B.C., and they finished the temple somewhere around 960 or so, or 7, 8, 9, 10 years after he died. But he went into it with a willing and a hungry heart to be in the presence of God. So that's my prayer for you this morning, is that you gathered here this morning with a willing spirit, to be a willing participant in worship. All right, so let's move on to the next one. That's W. Write down O as you flip over to Psalm 95. We're in 122, so that means turn left in your Bible. Psalm 95. If you get there before me, say amen. Uh, I knew there was somebody. Uh, it's on page 740 in my Bible. So I don't know what it is in yours. O, W is willing participant. Say willing participant. O is on purpose. Say on purpose. Authentic worship does not happen by accident. So first, authentic worship can't be forced. And second, authentic worship does not happen by accident. Let's look here in Psalm 95. We're going to read the whole psalm. It says, O come, 
Let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms for the Lord is the great God. And the great king above all gods in his hand are the deep places of the earth. Uh, The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, uh, though they saw my work for 40 years. I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. So what's going on here? If, if you see the word several times, come. Come. Come on, there's a song that we sing. Come, now is the time to worship. You guys know that song? We should do it sometime. But come. There's an intentionality associated with worship. I mean, can you imagine, you know, just coming to church or, or, or just being anywhere and all of a sudden, ooh, <laughs> I just worshiped. Wow. <laughs> that was sudden and... And I didn't expect that to happen. I just accidentally worshiped God. No, it doesn't happen that way. There's an intention that goes into worship for it to be authentic, true, genuine worship. So first off, a willing participant. Say willing participant. I'm going to make you guys memorize these. It's going to be a test. And O is on purpose. On purpose. We're going to go to R. As we flip over into Psalm 93, when you get there, say amen. Amen. (laughs) That was the same person, wasn't it? Was it? Psalm 93, just a page back. So willing participant on purpose and R is royal presence. Authentic worship acknowledges the sovereignty and the holiness of God. Now, how many of you know somebody famous? Anybody know anybody? I mean, just, I mean really famous. You, who do you know that's famous? Well, you're the one who had your hand up. Well, hockey players aren't famous. Not in Georgia. They're famous in New York, maybe. <laughs> Can you, can you imagine uh, going up into, let me think of somebody who's, who's, who's really, really famous. Uh, I don't want to say the president because we don't start a political conversation. But let, let, let's say that you, uh, you're going to meet the queen, the queen of England, Queen Elizabeth. She's been queen for a long time, right? So let's say you're going to meet the queen can you imagine going in to just hang out with the queen and, uh, you know, you don't wear your best? In fact, you wear the worst thing you've got. You go in your PJs. Some people go to Walmart in their PJs, right? So let's say you go meet the queen in your, in your PJs and they're kind of raggedy and wrinkled and, 
and, and let's say you, you, know, you, you got dirt marks on your face and you're just really not, you know, you're not honoring the queen, are you? I mean, we would never go into someone's presence like that. Not just about how we dress, but how we act, what we bring with us. When we come into the presence of God, when we walk into this place, we're entering the presence of God. We need to be careful that we are not irreverent, that we dismiss his sovereignty and his holiness. Let's look at, let's look at Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. I can get an amen on that one, I know. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up. O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord is on high, is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. Right there at the beginning, the Lord reigns. In verse 2, your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Has there ever been a time where God has not been God? The answer is no. Has there ever been a time where God was not in charge, where God was not uh, holy? The answer is no. God has always been king. God has always been king of kings and lord of lords, right? You know, I, I, I hear people sometimes say, and I understand what they mean when they say it. Uh, it's just theologically incorrect. When they talk about making God king or making Jesus lord, he's already king. He's already lord. Now, there may be a submission problem, but it's not a kingship or an authority issue because God is king. Amen? So when we come to God, we need to make sure that we remember that. That he is king. He's in charge. He can do whatever he pleases. He's sovereign. He's holy. And he endures forever. That's a big deal. That's actually something to get happy about. Sometimes we, we kind of like to kind of fall back from that and go, oh no, he's the king. But he's the king that also says we get to call him father. By the spirit, we get to say daddy. We get to climb up in daddy's lap and say, daddy, give me a hug. Isn't that awesome? So he's not only king, he's father. He's our dad, our creator. And to have that king, that king of kings, to say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a reason for worship. So, W, willing participant. You're getting there. Let's go ahead and jot them down now. O, on purpose. R, royal presence. S, oh, I haven't given you that one yet. S, we're going to be, we're going we're gonna to get out of Psalms for just a second and go over into 2 Samuel 24. I had mine marked, so I got there first. Amen. 2 Samuel 24. 
R, I'm sorry, no, R, S is sacrificial perspective. What I mean by that is authentic worship is something that is given, not something received. We'll talk about that in just a second, but let's look back in 2 Samuel. Let me set this up while we're all kind of digging back there to it. I'm going to mark this so I can find my way back to Psalms real quick. I'll set this up. David has gone and he's numbered the people of Israel and he's counted all the, the, the tribes and the, and the mighty men and all that such. And uh, uh, he gets in a little bit of trouble and, and his heart is, is condemned within him uh, that he went and numbered all the people and he said to God, uh, this is earlier in the chapter, verse 10, he says, I've sinned greatly in what I've done, but now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your foolish servant, for I have done something foolishly. And you know, God comes along and, and uh, through Gad and, and says, hey, you got an option, you can you know, have seven years of famine come to your land, or you can, uh, you can flee for three months before your enemies while they pursue you, or uh, there can be three days of plague in your land, and, and you choose which one you want, David. And he says, listen, I, he didn't really choose. He said, let me just fall into the hands of the Lord, whatever you want. You know, I'll, I'll take whatever consequences you have for me. And so God sends a plague until the appointed time. So all this has occurred and then Gad, we're going to pick up in verse 18. And Gad came to him, uh, came that day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of us. I'm not good with Old Testament names either, so just bear with me. Somebody else say it. Aruna, Aruna the Jebusite. I had a pastor friend of mine tell me one time, said, Don't even slow down on those names. Just go right through it, say it the way you think it's supposed to be said, and everybody in the congregation will go, oh, that's how it's supposed to be said. Yeah. Pastor said it that way. I wrote in the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And now Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And then Aruna said, why has my lord, the king, come to his servant? And David said, and catch this, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. And Aruna said to David, let my Lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. David says, I want to buy your threshing floor. And Aruna says, no, 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 you're the king. Just take it. It's all yours. And I lost my place. <laughs> Let my Lord the King take and offer whatever seems good to him. Look, here are the oxen for the burnt sacrifices and the threshing implements and the yokes uh, of the oxen for wood. All these, O King, Aruna has given to the King. And Aruna said to the King, May the Lord your God accept you. So the King's trying to buy it. Aruna won't let him, trying to give it to him. And then down in verse 24, we, we see the King said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for price. Now, will I offer a burnt offering to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing? So I'm going to buy it from you, Aruna. And here's the reason why. I'm not going to offer a sacrifice unto the Lord which cost me nothing. I'm going to have some skin in the game. I'm going to make a sacrifice unto God, and I'm not let, going to let you... Ooh, Blake never did that. I'm not, not going to let you provide the items for the sacrifice. 
I'm going to pay for them. That way I have something invested into the worship. I think sometimes, I don't know if you're guilty. I've been guilty in the past. I think sometimes we come to church to get something from God. Now, will God give things? Yes, absolutely. Can we receive a blessing having been in the presence of God? Well, he's God. He's the almighty creator of all things. We come into his presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. We enter his courts with praise. And God will pour out blessings upon us. We can get things like peace, assurance, right? We can experience the love of God, the love of God's people as we hug each other, shake hands. We can feel welcomed. We can, we can get a sense of significance being part of the body of Christ and being in God's presence. So there's some things that we can get, but that's not the purpose. We don't come worship God so that we can get, you know, get ours, right? We come to worship God so that we can give him his. There's a sacrifice involved. And just like King David here said, he says, I'm not going to give something to God that cost me nothing. We need to remember that. If we want it to be true, genuine, authentic worship, there's a sacrificial perspective that goes along with that. There's a giving to God. It's all his anyway, right? It's all his anyway. So that's, uh, that's S. So what's W? Willing. Somebody wrote it down. Awesome. Willing participant. I love it. What's O? On purpose. R? Royal presence. S? Sacrificial perspective. And H? And there should be no surprise at this one. Take a guess at what H is. Well, that's close. Humble. But holy, I like good. Holy holy's good too. Maybe because he's holy, we can be humble. But humble, a humble posture. We're going to be in Psalm 131 for this one. So as you turn over there, Psalm 131. We know clearly, you know, as the Bible tells us, that the Lord opposes the proud, right? But gives grace to the humble. If you think over in the, in the New Testament, there's the two guys who were coming before, and, and one of them was um, maybe, a, maybe a holier than out holier than art kind of guy and, and he's standing there and he's looking up into heaven he's saying oh thank you God that I'm not like one of these <laughs> and then there was the one who was on his knees on his face before God saying oh God I'm not worthy you are holy forgive me then it goes on to ask the question which one of those guys do you think went home justified the humble. The word in the Greek, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's pronounced proskuneo. Uh, that's the word, one of the words, there's plenty of words that's used for worship, but that's one of the words that we, that we, uh, is translated as worship, proskuneo. And it, it's, uh, it's the word where we get prostrate from. 
And what is prostrate? Laying on your face. There's a humility there to be on your face before God. Amen? I mean, I wasn't going to do this because I might need help getting up, but, 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 but tell me what is, what is more humble than being completely vulnerable and on your face before God. That's a humble place to be. Worship can take place there. Hey, I got up. Some of the guys prayed for me this morning. My back was hurting for the, this past week, and they prayed for me. I'm feeling okay now, so thank you guys for praying. I appreciate it. Humble posture. Authentic worship is selfless. Let's look in Psalm 131. It says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord for this time forth and forever. Now we have new baby back here, right, Kayla? I know sometimes when, uh, when you have a brand new child and mother is holding the brand new child, the child can sometimes get restless, especially when it's hungry, right? Baby wants to eat, wants to have, have, have you know, dinner, lunch, breakfast, whatever, mid-afternoon snack. It's an interesting phrase that they use here, like a weaned child. Instead of being restless, the child is just resting in mother's arms. No, no requests, no desire to, to, to have something more than just be with mom. And that's a perspective sometimes we just need to bring to God. You know, the, the, the verse that says, and you've all heard it plenty of times, be still and know that I am God. There's a humility that comes into play when we're talking about worship. And I heard a pastor say many years ago, and it was now so long ago, I'll just claim it as my own. Uh, There was a pastor that said many years ago that humility is thinking, uh, how did he say it? Is not thinking of yourself less It's not thinking of yourself at all. That's genuine, true humility. Amazing if we can just come to God and just rest in his presence and not think of us, not me think of me at all. What a a blessed place to be. Amen? Humble posture. And uh, we got two more, and I've got another half hour, so we're good. I, we're going to be in Psalm 139, intimate and personal. Intimate and personal. Authentic worship is not a corporate event. You might disagree with me, but let me say it again. 
Intimate, I mean, authentic worship is not a corporate event. Now, can it happen in a corporate setting? Sure. But worship is intimate and it's personal. Because I can guarantee you, if all of us come in here on a Sunday morning and we don't worship intimately and personally, there ain't going to no corporate worship happen. I'm just saying. So it doesn't happen just because we gather here. Amen? And can you imagine? Can you imagine what our corporate worship would look like if we worship on Monday? Each of us, individually, in our homes, in our families, at our workplace, while we're driving down the road, and then Tuesday comes along and we're still worshiping, and Wednesday comes along, and Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and we're worshiping God every single day, giving Him honor, giving Him glory, giving Him all the things that are due to Him, and then we gather in here together having worshiped individually and passionately and personally for six days, and then we come in on Sunday morning, we blow the roof off this place. Amen? Worship is intimate and it's personal, and that's where it starts. And then when we gather together, in Psalm 130, I'm not going to go through all this because I, I want to be, uh, be respectful that we're going to have some food here in a little bit. But look at this in Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me, and such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. I'm going to go down to verse 13. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'll let you kind of sit and stir in this over the, you know, go back and read this passage, Psalm 139. Down in verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. There is an intimacy there that God has of us. God knows us in ways that even our spouse don't know. That we don't even know ourselves. God knows. He knows the words before they're on our tongue. He knows the depth of our heart and our soul. There's an intimacy there that we have the privilege to return to him and worship. Oh, that we would know God as he knows us. That's going to happen though, right? I hear Andres talk about this all the time on, on, on Wednesday night, about knowing, knowing God, knowing the gospel. And once you know him, man, never be the same. Never be the same. Authentic worship is intimate and personal. And then the last one, authentic worship is our permanent privilege. That's P. Permanent privilege. Authentic worship will endure forever. Just flip over a couple of pages to the right, and we're going to be in Psalm 145. I will extol you. I'll wait till you get there. If you're there, say amen. 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 Authentic worship will endure forever. I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. 
Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Is there a pattern going on here? Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Forever and ever and ever. I got in trouble. <laughs> I got in trouble one Sunday at a church. I was, I was on staff as the, uh, as, as the worship pastor. And I made a comment kind of early on while I was at that church that, you know, when we all get to heaven, all the pastors are going to be out of a job. <laughs> but the worship leaders, we're still going to get to worship. After the service, his wife had a few choice words for me. <laughs> so what do you mean he's going to be out of a job? But you know what? When you think about it, not going to be a whole lot of preaching going on in heaven. It's going to be a whole lot of God going on in heaven. Amen. Why would we need to preach the word when we'll have the word in our presence forever and ever and ever? But we get to sing. We get to celebrate. We get to worship. We get to acknowledge God forever and ever. He says it again, verse 21. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name. Say it with me. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Worship is our permanent privilege. So worship, it's a precious gift that we have that we get to return to God. Simply because of who he is. Now we do worship him because of what he's done. But you know what? He's worthy of worship just because. Of who he is. So my prayer is that you're a willing participant. Worship team, you can come on up. And all God's people said, amen. Worship requires, authentic worship requires us to be a willing participant. Worship can't be forced. Authentic worship is on purpose. It doesn't happen by accident. There's an intention involved. Authentic worship acknowledges the sovereignty and the holiness of God. That's our royal presence. There's a cost to worship, a sacrificial perspective, a humble posture, an intimacy, and a permanent privilege. God, I want to thank you so much for the privilege, not just there and then as we stand in heaven to worship. But God, here and now, we have the great and precious privilege to, to worship you, to ascribe to you great worth simply because of who you are. And we gather here in this place as, as your children to, to, to join our hearts together with one heart and to, to join our voices and in one voice lift up your praise and celebrate. God, we are so thankful and excited for that privilege. God, we love you. We praise you. And we worship you.